Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. my heart for us briefly to uh, take a look at some of the individuals in the uh, count of Christ's death for us over the next few times we celebrate communion together. Uh, This morning, I'd like for us to consider the gospel according to Barabbas. Now, not that Barabbas wrote one of the gospels, not like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, of course not, uh, but that God God purposefully included uh, Barabbas and his part in this account for a reason. And it has much to teach us about the gospel of Jesus Christ that we celebrate when we celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, together. Someone once described the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, as accounts of Christ's death and resurrection with long introductions. I, I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but when you think about it, it is pretty amazing um, that Uh, Whether you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, uh, about one quarter uh, of each book is devoted just to the last week uh, of Christ's 33 or so years here on earth. It's that important. God gives us such detail uh, about that week in Christ's life and his ministry for us purposefully. Um, he, He wants us to pay more attention to the details that he gives us. He wants us to consider what they teach us about the life-transforming, eternal life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. What does God want to teach us about the gospel through the inclusion of Barabbas in these accounts? Well, this morning we're going to focus here on Matthew's gospel, but in his and in all the rest, the first thing we see is, is a very clear contrast between Jesus and Barabbas. We're introduced Uh, to this individual in verses 15 and 16. We're told that the governor, that's the Roman who uh, was in charge of Israel, Pontius Pilate, that's the name we know him by. We're told that the governor, uh, during the feast of the Passover, he had a custom where he would release to the Jewish people one of their fellow citizens that his government had imprisoned. He'd free them. In the Roman army, the primary responsibility of the governor of any Location was to keep uh, the peace. And Pilate had instituted this practice in order to win favor from the Jewish people that he ruled over. Uh, Maybe in a kind of Gentile way to celebrate their most important feast, he would pass over one of the prisoners, one of the citizens that he had arrested. And verse 16 tells us this guy's name. It was Barabbas. Now, in a few English translations, it might say something different, it might say Jesus Barabbas, because that was his name. His first name was Jesus. His last name was Barabbas. Jesus is the kind of the Greek, uh, English transliteration of the Greek form of the Old Testament name Joshua. So both Jesus Christ um, and Jesus Barabbas, really their name is Joshua, Yeshua, meaning the Lord saves, the Lord delivers, and Barabbas, that's his last name, uh, it is Hebrew for son of the father. You remember God invites us in his word uh, to pray to him as Abba, 
Father, meaning Father, Abba. And so um, before we see the clear contrast, now that's a pretty interesting similarity, isn't it? Jesus, Barabbas, son of the Father, and Jesus, Christ the Messiah, the only begotten, capital S, son of the capital F, Father. Verse 16 tells us that Barabbas was a notable prisoner. That's the King James Version's description. Most modern English translations use a word like notorious. And in the Greek word, there's really nothing negative or positive. It's, it's kind of uh, ambiguous uh, about what, it, what it's intended there. Uh, it just means he was well known. Everybody knew who Jesus Barabbas was. Um, it's in other Bible verses. It's in other gospel accounts that we get what might be the negative information about him. Mark 15, 17 tells us what makes him notable. He was an insurrectionist. He led uprisings against the Roman government, not by uh, peacefully protesting or speaking out against the occupying forces. Uh, no, Luke in his gospel describes Barabbas as a murderer. Uh, so uh, he had killed at least one person in his insurrection against the government. He's a violent rebel against civil authority. And boy, that's a clear contrast between him and Jesus Christ, isn't it? What did, uh, I mean, Christ never instigated rebellion uh, against government. Instead, he said in Matthew twenty two twenty one, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and give unto God what belongs to God. Uh, instead, Jesus said in John eighteen thirty six, my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, Jesus Barabbas, son of the father, he was a murderer. He took people's lives. Jesus Christ, capital S, son of the capital F, Father, transformed people's lives. He raised people from the dead to life. Fairly similar names, but, but a definite contrast in what they were all about in life. And the gospel according to Barabbas here also teaches us, most importantly, about a substitutionary selection. We learn of why this individual is even included in the account of Christ's death for us, beginning in verse 17. Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. He's not worthy of death. He's not guilty of anything that he's being accused of by Jewish religious leaders who have brought him to Pilate. And so Pilate asks the religious leaders, and he asks the assembled crowd that's watching this mockery of a trial, he asks them this question, whom will you that I release unto you? You want it to be Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ, called Messiah? I don't think necessarily that Pilate was an unjust man, definitely not an illogical man. I believe he came up with this plan of substitution here with the hope that these people uh, would choose Jesus to be released. The end of verse 18 states, Pilate knew it was the envy of the Jewish leaders that motivated them to see Jesus be killed. It was not anything Jesus had done wrong, but they didn't choose Jesus, did they? Verse 20, it says, but the chief priests and the elders, they persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. That's who they asked Pilate for in verse 21. Say, free Barabbas. Substitute him for Jesus. I want you to understand that Barabbas wasn't just in prison for his murderous insurrection. He was on death row. The cross that Jesus carried and that he would eventually be nailed to it's very likely meant for Barabbas. And this choice by the crowd shocks Pilate to some degree in verses 22 and 23. He says, well, what then shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And the crowd's answer is a loud and unanimous shout. What do they say? Crucify. 
Crucify him. And Pilate says, why? (laughs) This makes no sense. What evil has he done? And the crowd cries out, crucify. Now, I want you to try to put yourself in Barabbas' shoes this morning. Actually, put, put yourself in his death row prison cell. You hear this crowd shout your name in unison from the little window in your cell. Barabbas! <laughs> and uh, you can't hear the questions and responses of Pilate. He's just one guy. Uh, you hear the crowd shout, Barabbas! And then moments later, you hear the crowd shout, Crucify! <laughs> Crucify him! And soon, you hear the jailers come into your cell, and the keys jingle, and the lock opens, and they grab you, and they lead you out. Uh, the day you've been dreading has come. You're taken before Pontius Pilate, and you await your sentence that the crowd called for. But instead, you're free. You're free. You see what's happening here? And this is a substitution that's taking place. And ever since that day, people have gone to God's word desiring to find out, God, what was your intent and what we've sung about this morning and what we're going to celebrate? I mean, it's mind-blowing that God had to crush God for our salvation. What is your purpose in the atonement, God, in the death of Christ? What is the gospel all about? God includes this account of Barabbas in the gospel because there's a metaphorical meaning here for, for you and I. Some have incorrectly come up with uh, what is called the example theory of the atonement. They, they believe that Jesus died on the cross and it was just martyrdom. It was just a good example that Jesus set for you and I uh, about being so committed to a cause, so committed to what is right that we would even die. We would die for what we believe. Is that what God intends in the gospel of Jesus Christ? And others have come up with the idea that the atonement is all about a ransom. And the Bible does speak about Jesus Christ ransoming us and redeeming us. And we sang about that this morning. But they believe that when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve way back in in Genesis, that we became owned by by Satan. and, And that the death of Christ was God's way of ransoming, God's way of paying Satan to buy us back. Is that what God Is intending here in the atonement of Jesus Christ? No. There's other human extrapolated theories about what God's whole purpose and plan is in the atonement that was provided through Christ's death. But there's only one that clearly is put forth in Scripture, especially here in this whole thing with Barabbas being included. And it's that of substitution. Substitution. Jesus hung on that cross in the place of Barabbas. He was supposed to be on that cross. But also in the place of you and I. We, we deserve the penalty of death. We deserve the eternal separation from God that Jesus took on himself. And the atonement, the salvation that is ours by faith in who Jesus is and what he did for us on that cross to save us from our sins, it's a substitutionary atonement. Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. It's a substitution. He paid the penalty for your sin, for Barabbas' sin. And that's why God includes this detail in the gospel accounts. It should not be difficult for each one of us here this morning to recognize I'm Barabbas and you're Barabbas. 
See, like Barabbas, we used to value the things of this world more than the things of God. And hopefully that's a use to for you, Christian. We might have never actually murdered anyone, but as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, when we harbor hate and envy in our heart, we're guilty of the same in the eyes of God. Like Barabbas, we were once part of an insurrection, one that began in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve started rebellion. We're part of an insurrection against God, rebelling against him with every single sinful thought, every sinful word, every sinful action. And Jesus stepped in, didn't he? He took our place. He took the penalty for our sins. A substitution (laughs) occurred. Aren't you glad for that? That's how we're saved. God in his infinite love and his infinite wisdom, he made a way for his holiness to be satisfied and for you and I to be forgiven if we will trust in who Jesus is and what he's done for us in dying for our sins. Little word for. That's what substitution is all about. He died for our sins. You know, there's no record if Barabbas ever came to trust in Jesus as Savior, but I, I'll tell you this, he should have known the meaning of substitutionary atonement better than anybody. From this section of God's word, we can too. We should be able to see ourselves in the crowd as well. Do people still today choose to reject Jesus? Yeah. Their Barabbas might be money, might be fame, might be stuff, anything. That's esteemed better than Jesus in their heart. And would you look at the response of the crowd to Pilate in verses 24 to 26? I want to just read those. It says, when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See to it. And then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Those are horrible words there in verse 25, aren't they? His blood be on us and our children. He said so lightheartedly that they plead for any guilt in their requests and in their subsequent actions to be applied to them. They welcome it. But in a very different way, when you and I celebrate the Lord's Supper, we make the same request. And from a very different heart, (laughs) with a very different motivation, a a humble, repentant heart that has seen who Jesus is and treasures him and treasures the cross and treasures the blood that was shed that we might be saved. When we remember, when we thank God for the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ by participating in communion together, we ask God for this same thing. May the blood of Jesus Christ be on me and on our children. Our only hope is in the blood of Jesus Christ, isn't it? We had better, we had better plead that. May the blood of Christ be on us and on our children. We, we plead for the blood of Christ to cleanse us from our sins, to save us from our sins and with this bread and with this cup in faith, in faith in what Jesus did for us in dying for our sins. We're claiming, we're claiming that cleansing and salvation. Verse 26 says, Then Pilate released Barabbas. Freedom! And listen, that is what is portrayed in the gospel according to Barabbas. There's freedom in Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. 
There's freedom. That's what we celebrate here in the Lord's Supper, that by faith in the person of Christ, who he is, God's son, uh, his work of Christ, that he died for our sins. He made a substitution for us that, that you and I have been freed from the penalty of sin. We're not destined now for eternity and hell, separated from God forever. We have a, a home forever in heaven with the Lord. We're also freed from the power of sin over our, our lives, a life that was once headed for a well-deserved death and an eternal judgment is now free to walk in newness of life and we're destined for eternal life with our Lord and Savior. Is he that for you? Is he your Lord and Savior? If you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior before, do that now. Call it right now. Call out to him in prayer. Confess your sin to him. Confess your need for the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from that sin, to forgive you, to give you new life in Christ now and eternal life. And if you've done that, are you living with him as your Lord? He didn't die just to save us from the penalty of sin. He died died to save us from the power of sin over our lives so so we could walk in newness of life, to, to sanctify us. We need to take time this morning before we celebrate the freedom we have in Christ to confess any sin and repent as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And then as we do that, make sure while we're doing it, it's from a heart of genuine gratitude, thanking God for the substitution that took place on that cross and that's pictured in our celebration of the Lord's Supper. Tommy, will you come and lead us in a hymn?